beautiful people. If it's around nine o'clock, you've got me, Babs Rolls Ivy. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. It is the middle of the week. It's Wednesday. And uh, I'm telling you, October seems to be whizzing by. It is way, way, way too many things going on. And we are in a breakneck speed. Uh, it's October 26th. And let me tell you, there's a lot going on. Uh, Open Studios is happening. Check their Check the Artspace website and their calendar because they've got a gazillion things going on. And I know people do not want to miss these opportunities to wrap themselves up in artist and artist expression. So uh, good morning, y'all. Good morning, y'all. Let's see. I'm supposed to have a guest today at 915, but they can't come. So we may get a little word on the street. We may hang around, stick around. Uh, thank you, Joanne, for that wonderful uh, compliment. Uh, we appreciate you and all the folks who listen to us. I love Word on the Street. I tell you, when I when we do it, uh, as I said yesterday, as I always say, it is like a slice of New Haven, a, a, a wonderful, intimate slice of New Haven um, that we get to dive into for a few minutes. Um, and I think that's what makes this city so great. And I'm glad that... Um, we are reconnecting to uh, that part of the show because I, I really like it. And I never know who we're going to have. Uh, and I'm always, uh, I'm just as impressed as you all are uh, that folks um, are so willing to sort of speak about what's going on. And the word on the street just really means what's going on with you? <laughs> what you hear and what you know, you know. Uh, what's important to you? Who, what are you? What are you and your circle of folks talking about? That's really what the word on the street is. And uh, and I'm telling you, you, you just, just nothing else like it. Um, and, you know, with all the social media that we get, with all the TikToks and all the whatever it is we do with these computers in our hands, um, nothing beats one-on-one conversation with somebody you just met. Just It's just nothing else like it. It's just nothing else like it. So that's why we do it. Uh, and it just makes for an interesting conversation. It just makes for, uh, it just gives everybody a warm, good feeling. And it starts you, it gets you thinking about your, your city for a few minutes in a different kind of way. So I, I like it. So and I, I hope you all like it too. I think you do. And I appreciate it. Um, this morning, I'm going to have on uh, um, uh, the 10 o'clock show. Ah, my 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 phone won't uh, open up. There we go. This morning we're gonna have. Uh, let me see. How can I explain this? This is a lot. Uh, <laughs> this morning we are going to have on at ten fifteen um, some of the panelists from uh, a celebration of life art and legacy of Winfred Rembert, a uh, longtime New Haven resident artist and 2002 Pulitzer Prize winning author. And this event is hosted by the Justice Collabor- Collaboratory at Yale Law School and the Public Humanities and Public Humanities at Yale. So they're hosting uh, this celebration. <coughs> <coughs> Um, tomorrow from 5 30 to 7 30 at next haven and so they i have uh, mrs patsy rimbert and elizabeth hinton um 
uh, a Justice Collaboratory member and professor of history at Yale University. They're going to be my guests this morning talking about uh, the celebration of life of uh, Winford Rimber and what his art and legacy uh, means to not only just New Haven, but to the world. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, the panelists is, is amazing. Um, it's, it includes Patsy Rimber, Aaron, Aaron Kelly, <coughs> who is a co-author and professor of philosophy at, at Tufts University. Reginald Dwayne Betts, y'all know Reginald Dwayne Betts. Um, he lives here in New Haven. Uh, MacArthur Fellow, uh, a member of the JC, uh, founder and director of Freedom Reads, Elizabeth Hinton, and Kimberly Pinder, Dean, uh, Yale School of Art. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. So I had already registered for uh, this, this celebration. I was already registered and they saw that I registered and called me up and said, hey, um, we'd love for you to have these folks on your show if you have time. I was like, do I have time? Are you kidding me? It's what I do. So um, Beth Parker reached out. She's the she's the director of communications for the Justice Collaboratory. And um, and we set this up. So I'm so looking forward to it because I'm such a fan. And uh, when the book came out, um, um, I got it as a gift. And uh, and uh, and I was so surprised. And then when I found out who sent it, thank you, Paul Bass. <laughs> I mean, it's such a great book. It sits, it sits, uh, it sits very close to me. I, I think it's on the coffee table. And uh, but it was just a delight to um, uh, have that book. I've seen um, Mr. Rembert's work. Um, the Inner City News has been covering him since the very beginning. You know, we've always covered him throughout the pages. Um, you know, just throughout throughout the last 30 years or so, I guess, we've always we've always been running stories about him. I think he's been on the cover a couple of times. Um, and then of course we, and then, you know, when we, when we, when we were uh, uh, a monthly and a, and a bi-weekly paper and we had folks, you know, writing stories. So we were always covering what he was doing, uh, which is really uh, a bond for us. But anyway, um, I'm looking forward to talking to them. And, and, and hearing how this all came about. And I am such a fangirl of uh, Mr. Rembert that I think it's high time that he be honored in this way. And I'm just, you know, I think that if, if there is a drawback to any of this is that he didn't live long enough to see, you know, all of this come to fruition. Um, but his family is around and they are um, uh, making sure and ensuring that he is celebrated and fed it, and I love it. And I believe his son just got a, a grant, uh, just got an award um, from the Arts Council, I believe, um, through, through, through our, our uh, philanthropical efforts um, to continue uh, the work of his father. And so, um, so it goes on and on and on. The beat don't stop till the break of dawn. So I like it. So yes. That's a plus. Uh, uh, I'm going to the two o'clock matinee at the Westport Playhouse to see uh, the play um, from the Mississippi Delta at, uh, at the Westport. And we're catching the matinee. 
Ife and I are going because I had Goldie Patrick on last week talking about this play. And uh, it's a Pul- another Pulitzer Prize nominated play. Uh, Traces the story of one woman's triumphant journey out of a difficult childhood in Mississippi through the civil rights movement and beyond, offering us a gripping tale depicting the resilience of the human spirit. So, um, so I'm so excited and delighted to go see this, and I'm so glad that I, I I'm not missing it. It's a it's about a two hour play with one, with an intermission, and I'm so glad that uh, that we get to we get to go see it. I just want to go see these uh, amazing women just bring to life this amazing story. And, uh, and it was such a joy to talk to Goldie E. Patrick. I mean, an absolute joy to talk to her. Um, and uh, it was just, you know, one, one, of, one of the best conversations I've ever had. So anyway, um, they took this uh, autobiographical journey of how Dr. Uh, Nisha Ida Mae Holland um, uh, wrote this wonderful story uh, about her life and um, and it's being played out on the stage and at the Westport Playhouse, no less. So, uh, so the, the Westport Playhouse, like a lot of theaters, are are opening their doors up to a diverse uh, uh, playwrights and actors, and uh, you know they they like all American theater are are reckoning with how do we make theater accessible to everyone. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are still mad about the Long Wharf Theater being itinerant. And I I don't understand this level of whatever because everybody moves, everybody has to change, everybody has to reinvent themselves. Everyone does it. Even if, listen, even if you started going to the theater when when you were a child, you are no longer a child. You may be married with a family, that's a transition. If you may have graduated kids out of your house, that's another transition in your life. You may have moved houses, changed houses, sold houses, bought houses, moved, changed. That is real life transitions. The theater is no different. 50 years is a long time to be in a place that was only supposed to be temporary. You know, and I have to remind people when they start this, oh, but the community didn't know. But what do you think the board of directors is? The board of directors is representative of the community. And and that's how every board is a representative of the community, you know. And And I know that the theater, and it's not lost on me that the theater means something to people. I get it. I appreciate that. I love that people feel so strongly about it. They, you know, um, um, but you know, it's not, it's not unlike, you know, the Dodgers leaving Brooklyn. Come on. <laughs> and I know there's people still mad about that. <laughs> I know there is. So, uh, you know, people was like, oh, so does that mean we're going to have, you know, Longworth Theater is going to put on a production in the bar? It might. Who knows? It's an exciting time in theater. Don't miss out on this moment. Don't, absolutely do not miss out on this moment to see interesting uh, creative theater done. Our productions are always going to be well done. We're always gonna have care and commitment to what we put out there. Do you know what I mean? But now we've got a whole city to reimagine how we do theater. And for me, that's exciting. I find that exciting. 
I wish churches would do this. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I wish churches were like, you know what? Today we're going we're gonna to have service over on the corner of such and such and such and such. You know what? Today we're going to have service over here in the park. I mean, get the necessary permits, you know. Don't be running up on stuff, but because, you know, not to give the city agita. But I, I, I want churches to take on an itinerant model, too. Get up out of these buildings and come into the street where the people are. Do you know what I mean? Because these spaces have not been welcoming. They say they're welcoming, but they're not welcoming. And you know it and I know it. So don't act like I'm the only one that sort of has this experience or seen this or heard other people's experiences. This is a new day, a new opportunity. And I think, you know, when people don't understand uh, or they don't see that they are standing on, on change, it's hard to, it's very hard to see when you're standing at the, at the precipice of change, you know, because you are, because you just think, oh, I, I don't like change. I want it to stay the way it is because that's what I'm familiar with. And, and in the meantime, the world is, has shifted, right? Everything has shifted. And you have to be willing to meet that moment. And you know how greatness is achieved? Well, greatness is achieved by people meeting the moment of change and opportunity and transition. That's how you see greatness. They can look out at the, at the landscape. Or they can look out and say, I see change coming. Let's prepare. Let us be ready in this moment. And the people who miss it are always the ones who are just, oh, my God, I don't like to change. I can't. I can't. I need it to stay the same. Because there's some safety in that for people. There's safety in that. And people are very fearsome. I find humans to be very fierce, fearful. <laughs> fearful of a lot of things. And I, and I think that's what drives anxiety in a lot of people. The fear of, of not being in control of things. The fear of, 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 of what's going to happen. You know, oh my gosh. You know, uh, the nervousness of being seen, the nervousness of, of, of showing up in one's life. It's, it can be fearful and cause a great deal of anxiety. So, but those that, those that people who understand greatness or, or who just shed all of that for the moment, understand that we must meet it and meet it head on. So yes, I'm I'm loving all this theater. I I just love it. I love all the places that we could tell stories. I just do, and and I want to be a part of it. So when, you know when I'm long past being on this planet, I, I want people to know, you know, and my name comes up in conversation and and in and in somebody's recollection. I want them to say, you know what, Babs is about that arts life. That's what that's what I want to hear. I want people to say that. Like she was about that. She cared deeply about that arts life. You know, that, that's it. I just want people to say, oh, <clears throat> she was about that arts life. So when they look at the archives and they look at photos, they're like, man, this woman was everywhere. She went to a lot of things. She really supported. That's all I want. That's what I want. I, I want people to sort of see that I was of this century and that I was for the arts. I was for a lot of things, trust me. But But this part of my life, I wanted to reflect how I believe that everything else led to this moment. And arts ties all of it together. I don't care what it is. It ties it all together um, because art is expression and expression is what will save us. It will save us. So I'm just saying.
I'm just saying. So yeah, so we're we gonna roll up to uh, Westport and catch catch that event and uh, catch that play um, from the Mississippi Delta. I'm excited. And then uh, let me see what else is going on. Oh, the Creative Arts Workshop. They're having an open reception tonight. So I might catch some of that. I think there's something else going on too. <laughs> Ife will remind me. But uh, the Creative Arts Workshop um, is, you know, they're part of, this is open source time. So uh, everybody is doing their part for open source. So they are doing their part. They're having uh, two new exhibits and their opening reception is uh, today from 530 to 730. So I might, I might try to catch some of that because um, I think uh, I think Ann Coates is uh, stepping into the moment like a like like uh, like the other arts leaders stepping into this moment and um, and doing all that they can to uh, bring uh, opening opening their doors to uh, differing artists uh, and the like. And it's it, it, I'm telling you, if you follow the arts community, they are really walking the gang plank on this kind of stuff. They are really walking it and talking it and really trying to, to be out there. And I, I just hope people understand uh, that this is no easy feat to, 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 to open these doors and to, and to wrestle with boards and wrestle with audiences uh, at the same time, engaging new audiences, inviting new audiences, inviting um, new playwrights, and 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 putting out new works up alongside tried and true works. I mean, you know, Death of a Salesman is on Broadway and has an all black cast. Has never been done. Has never been done. And uh, and I think um, it was always. Uh, I think I read somewhere um, that it was always in the back of uh, in the back of uh, the playwright's mind to do exactly this kind of thing, you know, to to do exactly this kind of thing, and uh, and I think Arthur Miller would be um, pleased. I think I think I think he had this in his mind. I think I read that somewhere that he was thinking about this, you know, and, and hoping that it would. Um, he, I mean, he couldn't do it in 1949, you know, but here we are in 2022 and we're doing it, you know. And, uh, and you know, if you've never seen um, Death of a Salesman and, and, and it's, it's such an engaging, gripping play, um, you know, it. You talk about a slice of human, a slice of the, of human drama. Man, oh man, oh man. This is this is right there, up there for you. Uh, um. Uh, 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 there's. I believe there's a. I think there's a movie too with Dustin Hoffman. I think there's a movie. Uh, I think that got. I think that got good reviews, but. Wendell Pierce is starring in it on Broadway with Sharon D. Clark, and uh, it's getting good reviews. And you know, if you notice, um, plays are not running three weeks on end; they're doing a tight two weeks, you know. Uh, and so, 
see it if you can. My my goal, I really would love to see um, Wendell Pierce in this. I saw Wendell Pierce a few years ago at the Billy Holiday Theater with my friend Andrew. Andrew's friend was a play is a playwright and uh, wrote a play uh, about gentrification in New Orleans. And Wendell Price is from New Orleans, but he he was in this play and it was so incredibly good. Uh, I believe his friend now runs the um, uh, the Black Arts Theater in in Atlanta. I believe he's still there. And I talked to him a few years ago, thinking I would bring him on the show just to have a conversation about um, playwrights. I think I I think I did, uh, but I think I probably would like to do it again. Uh, just to catch up. So now I'd have to go dig up my notes and see, or ask Andrew to remind me what his name is. Um, Cause I, I could see him very clearly, but I can't remember his name. So, oh, I hope this is not early onset anything that I can't remember. <laughs> oh, Kenny Leon. Yes, thank you. That would have killed me. Anyway, he's uh, Andrew's good friend and I, I got to meet him and, uh, and chat with him because I thought the play was so beautifully done. Um, I thought the play was so rich and Wendell Pierce was so good out, good in it. And I think we saw this thing maybe five, six years ago at the Billy Holiday Theater in Brooklyn. And, uh, and I'm gonna tell you something, the subject matter uh, is still so relevant about gentrification and, and uh, who, who can own property and who cannot own property, you know? So anyway, uh, yeah. No, it's not Kenny Leon. Uh, da, 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 da. It's not him. It's somebody else. I know who Kenny Leon is now. I'm looking at him. But this is not the guy. Uh, uh, ha, ha, ha. But I have to figure it out. Let me see. <sighs> Let me look, take a look. Uh, but anyway, um, I was, where was I going with that story? Um, it was, uh, to see Wendell Pierce is amazing. He is, he is an American treasure. If you've not seen him in things, he's really quite good. He's really quite good and, uh, and quite mesmerizing. And I, I could see him as a, uh, Mr. Loman. So we'll see. I don't know. Now, I, now, just because we do uh, death of a salesman doesn't mean I want to see white folks do a raisin in the sun. <laughs> but if you're in an all white place and you want to do these plays, if you want to do a raisin in the sun and you're a, a white a white school somewhere where you have no black people, which I don't know where that would be. Do you do a Raisin in the Sun? Do you do it? It's a play. A play is for anybody to do. I think I remember a couple of years back, um, they someone did a play from the mountaintop and it had a white MLK. And I think people were up in arms about it. And, uh, <coughs> but if you're an actor and you want to, Take that role on and you think you could do it. Do we allow it? Do, can we sit back and watch that? You know, we always say theater is transformative. 
So I don't know. I don't know. Would I want to see somebody white play MLK? I don't know. I don't know. I think theater, I think theater is a, you could take a greater leap that way. I don't think you can, I mean, you, you can't do that with film, but you certainly could do it with theater, I think. I think theater allows for of that kind of, of, of creative license and door opening, you know. Uh, I'm not advocating for any of it, so don't be sending me messages about, ooh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I listen. I understand the sacredness of of holding our imagery uh, sacred and holding all our stories. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying for theater, something else. <laughs> something else. So uh, I'm just saying. So that's a whole other whole other animal. Um, but I don't want to open that door just yet because people will be, but it is one to, I mean, what what do you do when you have, when you have kids in theater programs all across this country, ECA, and they want to, they want to take on challenging, you know, listen, um, what, what, when, when the, uh, August Wilson monologues come through, there's all kinds of people doing those monologues. That's what it is, right? That that's what it is. That's 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 what it is. So uh, I'm just saying. Uh, so I think theater allows for that. I think theater allows for that kind of creative license, and uh, I, I think it does. But we shall see. Oh, I know. Tonight is uh, PJ PJ Morton. He's going to be at Toads. I don't know if people are PJ Morton fans. Um, but he's at Toads tonight and, uh, I've given away a couple of tickets. Um, I think I have a f- two more to give away. I think, um, I think I do. Uh, Toads is still popular and on and popping. So if you like PJ Morton, if you like his brand of hip hop meets soul meets, uh, it's got a little gospel vibe to him. Um, <coughs> it's got a little neo soul thing going. If you like PJ Morton, tonight would be a good night to see him. Hey, Harry. Hey, Babs. What's happening? How did everything go with the with the morning show before me? With uh, the what did they change their name again? What is the name of the show? It's Good Morning with Jose Antonio featuring Marcy Lynn. Okay. Which, by the way, she. She said um, that she doesn't think you know, but that you're her, her mentor. She's, you know, she's uh, always looked up to you and everything. She's, I don't think Babs knows. No. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. I don't think I've ever met her. Have I met her? Did she say no, we met? She, she didn't say, but uh, I guess she's, admired from afar okay um, well uh, I, you know what this morning life ain't easy <laughs> it ain't easy at all people think oh I, you just blah. i was like listen i talk every day for two hours 
getting more difficult by the hour, right? <laughs> I, I you know I love it. I love it. But you know, you know, like anything, Harry, there are days when you're like, oh gosh, I gotta get on air. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta yeah. run this show. There are days when you're just like, ooh. Ah, you know, and then there are days you're like, oh, I can't wait to get on, which is most days, you know, most days. So, and the weather is still, still dreary in the elm, which is fine. I mean, it's it's good, right? I mean, we're making up for all the water we didn't get. I think so, Harry. I mean, (laughs) nobody better not complain. (laughs) Now this is too much water saturated. I don't know if it, I don't know if we're saturation yet because it hasn't really rained. It's just overcast yeah. and drizzly. I think yeah. we're gonna get some real rain today. Some more like real, real rain, you know, which is fine. Which yeah, is fine. the only thing is that it's it's gonna be seventy. It's hot again. It was warm yesterday. Yeah, well, and you know, in that office where I was yesterday, <laughs> it's like a sauna. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm 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 at, I'm at home today because I just had too much work to do. There's just there's no way to get all my work done in the office. Getting interrupted. I left at around six. Then I got to come home to work. That's insane. So you know, I got spoiled with uh, being able to do everything on my super computers at home. Oh, okay. But, you know, yeah, that's neither here nor there, Babs. <laughs> I think I think Paul is going to maybe try to jump on at 940, I think. He's meeting with someone now on, I guess, some other thing. So. For a word on the street? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Oh. Well, you know, have you checked the doomsday clock lately, Babs? Now, is there a doomsday clock? Yeah, you know how they say it's one minute till the end of the world or something like that. Oh Lord, are we still there? Um yeah, so North Korea is threatening to test have its seventh nuclear test this year. And um the US, Japan, and South Korea are th- warning them they better not. So I, I don't know what that leads to. So, you know, Kim Jong-un is, uh, he likes to tempt fate. So, Uh, you know, here's the thing. Whenever the world's attention is on something else, here comes North Korea with their foolishness. That's it. They 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 always want to get in the, they always want to get in the mix. Oh, look, they're just focused on Russia. What about the other dictators? <laughs> I know. What about me? What about me? I know what to get their attention if I fire off some rockets. He's like, I'm crazy then too. Have, then they'll have to deal with me. He's like, I'm crazy too, damn it. Oh, all these dictators with their, with their, <laughs> and it's with funny, their I was daddy reading, issues. <laughs> I was reading an article today on Al Jazeera um, where it questions whether whether Putin has a fascist outlook. <laughs> I'm like, really? I mean, if it, I'm sorry. If it quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, then it's a fascist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how do we get there where 
you have to question whether he's fascist. But I uh, guess you know I mean, it's, it's Al Jazeera, so take take it <laughs> for whatever it is. I mean, Al, Al Jazeera is a good is a good it has some, news outlet. Yeah, it has some really good writers and stuff. But. You know, I mean, I think I think they're probably a uh, uh, they were quite credible. And I used to watch them when they had when they had Al Jazeera TV on. You know, uh, so. Uh, I mean, and they're in that region where, you know, they could really be up close and personal with some of these events. So I don't know. I just, you know what? We just have to, I, you know, then, anyway, Harry, we have to live our lives like it's the last day anyway. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That doomsday clock has to be past 12 now. Because <laughs> Newsweek has an article where it's saying Russia is preparing for all out war. With okay. who? Who, who are it they has prepared to be with, for? with everybody, right? I, I guess they're planning for a world war. They, they can't even feed their people. Well, who are they? How are they gonna run a war when they got the troops already hungry and naked? I'm like, how do how do you? <laughs> you know, he needs to settle down. Supposedly, just... you know, he's getting his economy ready on a war footing. He's um starting to do more bomb you know shelters. what you know what they should do those people should rise up in the streets and start some civil unrest what they gonna do throw everybody in jail they got jails like that where they can well, put everybody in jail well these people will get fed well remember i i think he sees like um china tenement square like a goal right so i don't think he's planning on putting people in jail he'll probably kill people well it's not unheard of in russia Right, he'll I mean, run over people. They did it in 1905. You know, 1905, they killed their people too in the square. Yeah, so it's not he, so. So it's precedence for it. <laughs> right, he'll run right over the people. So run over them, shoot them, whatever. You know, these these dictators don't have no loyalty to their own people. <laughs> so we got North Korea, Russia. Um, Macron seems to be ready to bend for uh, Russia in France. Um, Everybody's starting to panic because the cold winter is coming, and they oh need my God. Uh, they need energy. Oof. So, well, so I wonder where it goes from here because people are starting to kind of panic over this coming supposedly a really cold winter for Europe. So, did they get a new prime minister over there? I don't think they. I mean, I don't know. She said two weeks, right? She gave a two week notice. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody over there <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to get a sense of they got a new prime minister and then uh, they still Miss uh, um, Griner has to do nine years well you, you know it's crazy how that's actually a victory because they lowered it <laughs> <sighs> I'm like, what? You know, but and and now Russia doesn't want to make a trade. No, because they this is their middle finger to the US. Right. So it's like, okay. And and because the the US keeps keeps talking about this whole situation with the swap and everything, and that it's a political action on their part and everything and russia is determined to prove us wrong 
Um, I think we should negotiate this stuff on the low so we get her back and then we could talk all the junk we want. Let's stop negotiating in the press because, you know, these are people's lives. And well, I think I don't I mean, I, I think there's I think there is there is uh, conversations in the press. You've got to have conversations in the press because you have to keep this in the hearts and minds of people, of the, of particularly the American people, because we have so many things that vie for our attention. That's number one. But there's also um, a backdoor negotiations that are happening too. So yeah. it's not like nothing is happening. I know that people are working diligently to try to get her out. I believe that with, with, with my whole heart. You know, um, I just think I know what this is. We know what this is. The world knows what this is. Is that you know that the the Russians are so mad that we have been providing support, as is the rest of the world, as is the rest of the NATO communities, uh, are providing support to these Ukrainians because we want to help them fight for their country. You know, I mean, I don't I don't know how he thought the world was going to sit by and allow him to march on a free country that has their own government and their own all the things that you know uh, that makes them free i don't know how he thought he was gonna march on them and nobody in the world was gonna notice or say anything or help them fight back particularly when they've got an engaging president who was like listen i'm we gonna fight help us we gonna fight we're not afraid to fight we're gonna we're not gonna run we're not gonna give in we're not gonna give them an inch we're gonna fight and, and, and they will never have peace in this country if they take us. And, and you know, that resonates with, with every country in the world because every country in the world has had this story. You know, every country has had this story, whether it was colonization of Africa, whether it was uh, the British in, in, in the Americas, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the story is in North and South Korea, but... <laughs> Their fight is with each other always, you know. Whether it's China and Taiwan, whether uh, and 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 the way that they want to rule Hong Kong. I mean, everybody has these stories, um, and so nobody's gonna sit by and let this tyrant. All right, word on the street. He's he's here. Yeah, he's here. Yay! Word on the street. Oh, these pictures. Are... Good morning, Babs and Harry. Good morning. Word on the street. I know I'm running late. Do we have till 10 here? Yeah, you got time. Go ahead. Go for it. Well, the street we're on is actually a bridge. And the bridge is in the West Rock Nature Center. And uh, I'm just trying to show it here. And I'm standing here with Martine. <coughs> I'm standing here with Martine. Oh, hold on a second. It's been, um, I don't know why I'm in safe driving mode. I apologize for that. <laughs> That's so weird. Uh, well, you know, it doesn't want you distracted while you're driving, Paul. So get out your car. Yeah, I hope you park, park <laughs> first. Don't just get out your car. Park first. <laughs> he Wait, just where did Paul go? Walking in <laughs> them woods. <laughs> he got out. <laughs> He's walking in them woods over across that bridge. Okay, so okay. anyway, we're on the street. We'll be right back. I'm sure he's just we'll be right back. trying to figure out how to use the camera on his phone. Um, he probably hit the wrong key when he was uh, trying to 
turn the camera around on the guest. Mm-hmm. So Paul Bass will be right back. You're listening to Love Babs Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM. Your home for community radio. And that is the great Babs Rolls Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good morning. Let's go. Okay. We're back here. Can you see me now? Yes. Okay. So here's the bridge in the Nate Tra- West Rock Nature Center. I'm here with Martin Therese Quintero, who's the Outdoor Adventures Coordinator for Hello. the City of New Haven. You know, hey, Martin. So right now, Martin's showing us a bridge. It's one of his many projects he's done over 24 years in New Haven, over the West River at the West River Nature Center. We just see the, um, the, the basics of it. And it's part of his latest project. It's going to be one of his swan songs because he's retiring in a week. And Martin, do you want to tell us what the word on the street is today with this bridge? Yes, actually, um, this is a 40-foot bridge and actually something that I've uh, been doing with the park rangers. And my goal is to um, have this bridge completed or near completion right before it leaves, um, which is going to be rather soon. And this bridge is actually in a very spectacular setting that not a lot of people know in New Haven. And it's by this lovely waterfall. Um, that is known as uh, the Winter Winter Green Brook. So the idea about this bridge is to connect um, this trail with a trail that we're restoring so you can completely circumnavigate the West Park Nature Center and also hike into the property that is on the other side of the brook. Um, So that also property owned by the city of New Haven. And it is kind of hard to get a sense of scale of this bridge, but uh, Paul, if you stay there, I'm actually going to be careful because it's uh, slippery and wet. So I'm going to go over here. We're going in the wet leaves here. Uh, can you hear Martine down there? I see him. I, all right, lower your kid. Yeah, there you go. The oh, that's, that's how big get it is. So if you can hear you. So you stay, that's not, it doesn't look so safe, Martine. Yeah, no, it, it is. So uh, obviously the bridge is not completed. Um, these beams actually were the hardest part of it because they weigh several hundred pounds. As you can see, everything has to be kind of like hand carried in here and hand assembled. So this was a big team project. Um, I have the park rangers. We have um, a group, several groups of volunteers that throughout um, the season have come and helped us uh, do this. And Paul, right where you're standing, that is actually a gathering full of stones. So it's like several tons of stone that we have to bring in here to, to stabilize that. And um, this is actually something that uh, visualized with the engineering department uh, with staff who oversees the bridges. And then this is gonna be a really beautiful um, facility. If you walk over there, Paul, you're gonna see um, why I decided to build this in here because this is what, one of the most idyllic places in the West Rock nature center. Um, so we're in the street is nature, West Rock Nature Park, reconnecting people to a gem that a lot of people don't know is here. Like check out this waterfall down we here. Have this waterfall and right where we're standing, this is going to be a picnic table right now. And this is going to be very close to the road, very accessible. People can come here, do some bird walking, excuse me, sir. People can come here, do some uh, walking, some bird watching, 
simple spot to enjoy lunch. Um, and later on, once this is completed, to continue all the way around. Um, many people don't know about this, this beautiful gem. And, you this know, West Rock Nature Center. This is actually New Haven. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, this is magnificent. You know, I, I love waterfalls. I love the sound of rushing water. Um, and we don't have too many spots like this in New Haven. Do many people come here to take advantage of the West Rock Nature Center? Um, yeah, they do. Um, and the, the people that are coming here the most often now are mountain bikers that enjoy the trails that we have created in here and have become very popular because of the mountain biking competitions that we have held at the West Rock Nature Center. And then, of course, the hikers, you know. Um, but on a regular basis, some of our neighbors uh, come in here. One of the things that I'm going to walk with you um, and show you, we built a couple of bridges on the opposite side of the brook that allow the people that live in those communities in New Haven. People who live in West Rock, who live at um, West, uh, Rock whatnot, Rocky, now they can, they can come this way. And they have been coming. As a matter of fact, this summer, we have some youth that work with us um, doing summer camps, and they were actually walking through here using the trail and using the new bridges. So, Martin, uh, Bob, do you have any questions for Martin about his career here or the bridge we're building here? Oh, my gosh. So you've been with the city how long? 20, 20 years, 25 years, 20, 30 years? years? Okay. And so why are you retiring? Are you ready to retire? Well, it's uh, time uh, to uh, do a new chapter in my life. You know, I'm very proud of what we have done um, in this department uh, with regards to creating outdoor events or opportunities, nature education, and um, now it's uh, time to move on, you know. So Steph, what else do you, you ever go to, go to the West Rock Nature Center? No, but I, I, you know, I know it's, I know Common Ground High School sits at the base. And so I've no, kind that's of- that's of West Rock Park. This oh. is way at the corner by the Merritt. No, oh, no, I've never hand, been here. Right the, yeah, that's, I mean, so the only reason I'd ever been here was when my kids were little, they went to Martin's Outdoor Adventure Camp when he took them canoeing and hiking. Oh, and yeah. And it used to be high school in the community, I believe, used to have a facility here in the exactly. 80s. That's where they, they started in here. And as a matter of fact, Common Ground High School still uses this in a regular basis. It's so like a, an, a, a, a satellite facility. So they come hiking here on a regular basis. Uh, their camp comes here uh, pretty much every day. And there used to be a farm. There used to be chickens here that the kids learned in yeah, high school Many years ago, we used to have um, facilities to rehab animals. So some people may remember growing up, oh, yeah, I remember there was a zoo in here. But it wasn't really a zoo, but what it was, it was a rehab place. So we have some interesting uh, characters in here. We have mountain lion. We have uh, a lot of raptors. We have uh, um deer and etc and prior to the internet this was a very popular area for people to come and see creatures in, in person but obviously well with with access to internet and better telecommunications and images um then kind of like that didn't this place was not as popular but then before that uh, and many many of us that are in a certain age <laughs> group 
may remember the Huff Puff Hill in here because this is one of like the best, well, it was the only skiing place in, in New Haven, you know, through New Haven Park. So we used to have a skiing facility in here. It wasn't an operation by the time it started in 99, but uh, prior to that it was, but the, the trails still there, we maintain them. So it's a really good place to go hiking. So Babs, I'd never until right now stood by this waterfall. Yeah. I didn't. This I, I don't lake. even know where so you like. How, can, how do you get in here? And it comes from the lake. It's Wintergreen Brook. What you do is you're driving past the Hamden Line, past the entrance to West Rock Park, and on your right, right before you go under the Merritt, there's a parking lot, and it's New Haven's West Rock Nature Center. And I'd only been here to drop my kids off at the camp. Because I always go in West Rock, which is huge in and of itself and a big park. And that's where we always hike. And this is an amazing spot right here. You know, the, the, you have the foggy air up, up top and the kind of mist. And you can hear the water rushing down here. And you have no idea you're right near a highway in a city. And here Martine is building this bridge, this new bridge, to get people across so they can hike through it. it it's pretty neat. It's kind of, I think, a great kind of final gift for Martine for all his years of service. I, I, is it going to be done before you leave, Martin? Because otherwise, I, I'm not, I don't have any hope. It's going to be done before you leave. Um, I certainly hope. Um, and believe it or not, the, the hardest part was built the foundation and the superstructure. What is left to do right now, uh, a couple of more beams and then do the decking. And as a matter of fact, I have a couple of park rangers that are helping me cut all the boards that are going to go there. And the boards will go around. Uh, really quick and then just do uh do the hand railing and it looks like milk crates are holding up but in fact it's wire mesh with rocks in it it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah. i don't know I, I love nature so much even though i don't know a lot about it how to describe it but you feel like you're in heaven here you feel like you're in a, another world this morning here on love babs love talk did you have any more questions martine before we let you go no, I'm I'm gonna make my I'm gonna figure out some folks and I'm gonna go take a little walk through there. I've never been there, so I think I want to see it if it's you know. And everyone is listening to Love Bass Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Go ahead. Okay, Babs, we're gonna sign off here on Word on the Street by Wintergreen Brook for Love Babs Love Talk. Thank you so much. Ooh, another destination in our beautiful city. Yay! Yeah, and, <laughs> and I hope to see you here once it's complete and maybe we shall get everybody together and, and, and do a walk through the West Park Nature Center. Oh, I would love that. We'll okay. do it before you leave. Let's let's try that. Okay. Okay. Okay, bye bye. Thank you so Beth. much. Thank you, Paul Beasy. All right, Harry. I'm sorry. That so so we're know. gonna take a break and then we'll be back with um our guests for the next hour that was great i i learned something this is why i like word on the street harry because i learned something new i didn't even know that existed and yeah, i've probably was, driven by there eight gazillion times that was hidden although i wanted to ask about bears harry do i gotta be concerned about bears? It, did i hear him say mountain lions or something like that <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, hold on. Because just, just our look here, we're going today and there's like a bear convention. <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah, uh, it looks yeah. beautiful though. It looks beautiful, but I don't, I don't, I gotta worry about bears. The question is whether it's a petting zoo. <laughs> no, it's not petting. <laughs> it used to be back in the day. So 
But uh, we got to take a break. We'll be back with um, Patsy Rembert's wife of 46 years and a youth advocate. And Elizabeth Hinton, um, the Justice Collaboratory member and professor of history at Yale University. And we're going to talk about uh, Winfred Rembert and the celebration of his life that's happening tomorrow. So we'll be back. We'll be right back. You're listening to Love Bass Love Talk on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Look for the other link because, you know, Babs has some fabulous guests coming up. We'll be right back. Cue music, Harry. Cue music. We'll be right back.
Just see. 
morning and welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. I'm delighted this morning because I'm having a real fangirl moment because I'm such a fan of um, of um, Mr. Uh, Winfred Rembert's work. And I have the book and I love the book. And now I get to talk to the folks who are who are hosting a celebration of the life, art, and legacy of Winfred Rembert, longtime New Haven resident artist and 2022 Pulitzer Prize winning author. So this event tomorrow is happening tomorrow at Next Haven, and it's going to be hosted by uh, the Justice Collaboratory at Yale, uh, at Yale Law School and Public Humanities at Yale. So this morning, I have the pleasure of talking to uh, Mrs. Patsy Rembert and Elizabeth Hinton, who is a member of the uh, Justice Collaboratory and a professor of history at Yale University. So how are y'all this morning? Good morning. Unmute yourselves so we can so we can chat and catch up. Good, Good morning. morning. How are you all? I'm doing just fine. How are you? I am fine. So tomorrow is a is a is a celebration. Talk to me about how this came about. Because when I saw, this is how I came to know about this. I saw it somewhere. I must have saw it like on social media. And I registered. And then um, somebody, Beth, called me, sent me a message. She's like, I saw you register. Do you want to talk to them? I was like, are you kidding me? What I, do I want to talk to them? Absolutely. So how did this come about? What Talk to me about the planning of this and, 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 and why this is happening. Well, I had nothing to do with the planning. <laughs> It was a surprise and I, it was a delighted surprise. So maybe she know how it started. I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the Justice Collaboratory um, and Public Communities at Yale are hosting this event to really bring the New Haven community together um, to honor the life and legacy of uh, Winfred Rembert, who is a uh, community member that has memorialized his experiences through of injustice, um, through art and literature. And um, this event is part of the Justice Collaboratory's focus on um, community vitality, which is our theme for this year. The Justice Collaboratory um, is based at Yale Law School, and it's a group of nationally recognized academics, researchers, and social scientists who have joined together to build a more just, effective, and democratic criminal legal system um, by advancing public policies that are scientifically proven to build strong and safe communities where all people can thrive. And um, Winford's memoir and art illustrate a primary justice collaboratory principle, um, and that is that individual and collective well-being are cornerstones of justice. So we're just really excited to bring the community together to honor uh, Winford and also to honor Patsy and to be able to, um, to view his incredibly phenomenal and powerful art. It should be a, a truly special um, memorable event so we hope everybody will come out and join us so so you'll have some of his artwork up so mrs rember did you did you help pick those pieces or like how, how did how did they decide which pieces to hang well they just decided i didn't pick anything i i'm like i'm telling you it was a surprise to me because here in new haven i don't think he had been uh represented in the way i felt like he should so i haven't taken part in anything to uh hear or had any voice in it whatever they wanted to do if they honor him just do what they want to do mm -hmm. you know, so you so feel I, good about this particular honoring oh, of him feel, oh i'm so delighted he would have been over the top <laughs> that's yeah i, I mean, think that's so too he's been recognized in the place where he 
do his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I because he could be here with us. I wish he could be here too, because I live around the corner from uh, New Hall. I live on Ivy Street. So <laughs> so I know how close uh, y'all are or were to, 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 this, to this community. And I've only been in this community a few years, so but I, I, I but I knew the work of Mr. Rimber for years and years and years. So and being a man that was locked up and was released, he know how the situations are for young black men. Mm-hmm. And to do the work that he was doing and try to illustrate then and now that's not that far apart in order to bring back about a change in the way we view ourselves. And that was one of the things that he was truly working toward, trying to change the view of young black men toward one another and to give white people an understanding of where we come from and the suffering that we have received that's unjust and the mm-hmm. things that are still going on and using a different tactic, but we're still being treated in the same manner. Yes. Absolutely right. So, so Elizabeth, um, you assembled y'all assembled a panel of folks who who will be talking about the life and times of uh, the artist and author, uh, Mr. Rimber. Uh, you've got uh, Mrs. Rimber, uh, Patsy Rimber. You have Erin Kelly, who's the co-author of the book, and I had her on my show like last year when I first got the book. Um, Reginald Dwayne Betts, who yes. Yes, who we who we know. I was just with him the other night uh, for the uh, book book talk he had with um, Nicholas Davidoff, uh, and you and Kimberly Pender, dean of the Yale School of Art. So I love this intersection of art and uh, justice. Right, this is not a new concept, is it? No, I mean, art has always been really key to helping inform our conceptions of justice, but also to the freedom struggle in general, art, music, performance. Um, and in many ways, these forms um, can help articulate the harm, impact, and injustices of our society, and specifically of the criminal legal system on individual people, on families and communities. I'm a historian of mass incarceration and policing in the post-civil rights era. And you know what Winfred captures through his powerful memoir, um, a history book cannot. Um, so in bearing witness to Winfred's personal story, we really all become part of setting the record straight. And it's through this kind of honest accounting of systemic violence that we can move forward toward justice in our criminal legal system. So in addition to celebrating uh, Winford's life and work, you know, we're hoping that this event can help generate new discussions that will lead to policy changes, not only in New Haven where they are sorely needed, but in this nation. So Patsy, what's it like to live with such a prolific author and and such a prolific artist? Like that that means that you know, some of that art, you you sat right alongside that making of that art. So it it kind of makes you the artist too, right? Because you, you're Not supporting really. and holding down this art. Not really. I was uh, privileged to be his wife and to see the inside struggles that he was going through. And my point of view, I wanted the world to know about his plight in life 
And the only way that I knew we didn't have tape recorders, tape and everything happened, is that he could put down things that happened to him from memory, write down the words and what it meant to him. And that way he's telling the story of a lot of people. And uh, that's what I wanted to convey and that it wouldn't be forgotten, mm -hmm. and neither would he. So that was my whole thing and living with him, oh my God, he was a God sent to me. I needed directions and I needed uh, someone who could uh, understand me being a young woman when I married one, but I wasn't but 21. Whoa. I needed, <laughs> I needed that guidance, you know, and he had patience and understanding. And uh, that's what I needed. I was a privilege to be his wife. So um, Elizabeth, when people come tomorrow night, um, what do you want people to, to experience? What's the experience? What do you want them to know? And, and how do we, how do we keep putting his message and artistry out there? Well, I, you know, I, I really want people to, to come and celebrate. And I, you know, I want this to, to be um, uh, an event that memorializes, but also that brings joy um, to the community, even as we're tackling um, many of the injustices and forms of oppression and exploitation that Winford experienced um, throughout his life. And I think, you know, one of the things that's so powerful about both the memoir, but also Winford's art is that it really allows us to connect emotionally to this story, which is a thoroughly American story, which is, you know, really, really captures so beautifully um, American history, Black history, and offers um, ways to think about how we might build a more equitable future. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that in celebrating his life and work, um, you know, it forces all of us to be more engaged, um, to be better, and to do better, both with our to ourselves and to other people and our larger communities. Mm. So, Mrs. Rimbert, um, I imagine, and you can correct me, that um, Mr. Rimbert didn't have a problem talking about his life story to people or sharing those experiences, even though they were incredibly painful. Yes, it, it, no, it was not easy and for him. It took a long time for him. We was married five years before I knew why he went to jail. He, wow. It was a painful subject for him to bring back those memories. But at the same time, it was memories that he needed to bring back. He suffered a lot of trauma from what happened to him. And he had that trauma up until he died. But the sense of him talking about it was something he needed to do and something I believed he was appointed to do by God. Now, whether people believe this or not, that's my belief, that this was what his plight in life was about, so to tell the story, to open up, because he is history. He's not a history book, but he is history. He's mm -hmm. American history. And right. like I told a lady the other day, he's not just black history, he's history. He's telling the story of the United States and how they viewed us at that time and still do. Uh-oh, I lost, I lost your sound. I think, yeah. Did you hear her, Elizabeth? No. 
Okay. So is there someone there that can check no, your sound? No, oh, there you go. You're back. We're back in. I'm eager to talk about the things that he wanted to talk about. I'm mm -hmm. eager to jump into the plan because I dropped out of all of the politics once he became sick. My attention was on him. But there's so much more that he wanted to do. And he left the blueprint for me to follow. And that's what I would like to do in his honor. Oh, I love that. I love so um can you can you share with us the things that made him happy, the things that brought him the greatest joy? His children. He loved his children. Family life is what he liked most of all. His grandchildren. And you know, this book is a a testimony to what he had said before he wanted his grandchildren to be able to remember him and know him and know what his life was like mm -hmm. and what he wanted for them and education was the next you know he didn't get a formal education because they didn't allow him to go to school he got taught in prison how to read and write but when they were actually doing that and they were actually teaching people how to read and write. I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> well, we got a problem. <laughs> but he, he, uh, his thing is education. And he's a self-educated, he was a self-educated man. Every book he come across that was interesting, he was reading it. Every situation of person that he talked with had knowledge of things that went on and didn't, he was talking with them and intellectual with them. He educated himself about life and about the literature, the literature word and with people. He educated himself. He was very well rounded with education, reading. It was nothing that he couldn't spell, nothing that he couldn't read. Uh, he was just, uh, I thought he was magnificent, to mm -hmm. be honest with you. He was. I, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah, I, think I, I don't think anyone could disagree with that, with that statement. <laughs> so Elizabeth, what does this mean to the justice community? What does a win for Rimber mean to, to a justice um, community? I mean, you know, we still have ridiculous high numbers of folks being um, hyper mass incarcerated. And, and we've got young people in and in and out revolving door kind of situation. What what can a life what can a life of this sort do for that community? How do we how, what what happens when we tell the story to folks who who've come through systems? Well, I think you know it's it's these kind of um, personal, deeply reflective, firsthand accounts that actually do help move us towards change and help us understand how the system works. We can think about prison in a really abstract way. Um, but for those who, you know, don't know what the prison systems like, don't have loved ones who are behind bars or haven't experienced it themselves, um, Winford has opened up um, that world to um, to the world, essentially. And um, in 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 revealing that story, um, you know, we are moved then <laughs> to change the system. I, I don't think anyone can walk away from reading "Chasing Me to My Grave" and think that the 
criminal legal system, the criminal justice system in the United States is not inherently racist and inherently unjust, um, and hopefully will then be moved to action. And I think historically, it's been these kind of firsthand accounts of oppression, but also resilience and triumph in that context of oppression that has moved to social change. Like, for instance, you know, the the um, distribution of slave narratives um, from Frederick Douglass on down uh, during the antebellum period helped galvanize much of the American public towards the abolitionist movement that built support for the abolition of slavery. And so we hope as more people become aware of the impact of the criminal legal system on individual people, on families, on communities, on the uh, human rights abuses within that system, that they will be mobilize and move to change it. I like that. I like that. So, so Mrs. Rimber, how, how would you like uh, the city, oh, how would you like the world to uh, hold your husband's art and uh, artwork? How, how would you like us to hold that and share it and celebrate it? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts on that, I'm hoping that it's there forever and that they view it as a learning tool. Uh, he made tragedy look beautiful. And to not view things in a negative way, but in a positive way. But I wanted to go back to one point that she mentioned. The black man's life, what Winford is trying to convey to everybody, his life behind bars was never over. Even when he was set free, he was still behind bars. There was barriers put in his way as it is to young black men today. They are not free. They are still serving time even when they've done what time they were supposed to do. They are still behind bars. They are never free. Even before they go behind bars, they're behind a sense of some kind of restriction. They only change the way. And Winford is trying to show with this book, his words, his art, that things have not changed as much, just the tactics that's being used have changed. But that's a very powerful statement. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I imagine, Mrs. Rembert, that we, we can't ever lose sight of that, that, you know, oftentimes when we see a historical, uh, when we see people's history played out, we'll say, oh, well, that was then, this is now. And you're saying, no, this is still then. This is still now. This is still now. It's still going on, but it's a different way in which it's being done. So it's, in other words, you know how your, parents, your mother used to say, don't sweep that trash under the, under the carpet. That is what's being done now. Sweeping it under the carpet and saying, okay, this is okay. But he wanted, most of all, for them to know the price that many paid for them to have the opportunity to go to school, to learn. So don't be fooled by your education that things are okay. It's not. It's not okay. It's just been swept under the rug. And there's so many examples that I could tell you about, but I don't want to go into it right now. But there are so many examples to prove what I'm saying that we have not, the only thing the surface have changed. You know, you. And underneath is the same. So we need to talk 
honestly and openly about these acts. And that's what women's work is trying to get people to see. Talk about what happened. Join in, not from an animosity point of view, but from a learning point of view, what can we bring from this book that will help and enable us to treat one another in a better light, even to ourselves? Mm. So Elizabeth, when you hear that, what does that, what does that mean to you? Does that strengthen the work that you do? Does that give you, does that make you hopeful about how we can actually make some shift and change in the justice, in the unjust system? Well, I think it's works, you know, I think right now, especially as, you know, what's called critical race theory, right, which is essentially the history of racism and oppression in this country, chasing me to my grave, Winford's memoir, some would consider critical race theory, but I feel like in this context, when our history is increasingly under attack, it's stories like Win like Winford's that can help us break through. And again, those stories are so, and, and reckoning with this history, reckoning with this past and confronting it head on is so crucial to do that, is so crucial. Because we, we don't know, if you don't know where you've been, if you don't know your past, you don't know where you are and you don't know where to go in the future. And I think that what part of what makes Winford so special is not only does, he, he, have, he has now given us this incredible uh, memoir but his art really helps to capture those things that the history books cannot. And I think it's really interesting too, or important, right? That he uh, worked in leather that would, that would be here forever, that would not deteriorate. So that means like, this is, this is history that is here to stay. It's, it's, it's not written in stone, it's written in leather, but they can't get rid of it. And, mm -hmm. and, we, and we must confront it. And, and I loved what Patsy just said. He made trauma, tragedy, and pain um, beautiful through his art, not as a way to romanticize it, but as a way to help us understand it more deeply um, than, than, than we currently do, more deeply that, that me as a historian who writes history books um, could ever help people understand. So talk to me about the day tomorrow. Like what, when I show up tomorrow, what, what do I get to expect to, to experience? So it's it, there's going to be food, drink, art, discussion. I mean, I think the highlights um, and, we, you know, as as you said, Babs, we have a powerhouse panel with um, with 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 Dwayne Betts and Kimberly Pinder, the dean of Yale Art um, uh, moderating. But it's really um, Patsy and Winfred Jr. who are the stars of the show, who we are celebrating and honoring in addition um, to Winfred himself. And, you know, we're going to talk about his life, his art, his legacies, history, of course, and his contributions to history, U.S. history and Black history, um, and be in conversation with one another. There's going to be plenty of time for socializing, to build community. We hope the event is an expression of community vitality, um, and we hope this helps to begin and continue and advance discussions that are already going on in our city and in our country about how to build a more equitable society and how to advance and realize true racial justice. That's how we honor Winfred's legacy. Mm -hmm. And it's it's tomorrow at uh, Next Haven, which is, Haven. I think it's a beautiful space. Like I just, I just love the, that, that space, you know, cause I remember when it was just a, you know, 
dumpy little trash house. And now it's a it's a welcoming, beautiful gallery and creative space um, showcasing art. And it sits right in the hood. Right. Like <laughs> I, I, I love that it sits right smack in the hood. I love it. So people have to come through neighborhoods to sort of get there. I, you know, Ms. Rimba, your son um, is following in his father's footsteps in terms of uh, continuing this particular art form that your husband has yeah. has uh, become well, known for. That's Mitchell. Mitchell Rimbert Jr. I can't hear. I don't think she can hear me. Can you hear me? I can me? hear you. Yes, I can hear okay. you. Okay. Well, he taught Mitchell. He had a, a, a Pacific job for each one of his boys. And how many sons are there? Because I, I don't Six. know. Six? Yes. <laughs> and two <laughs> girls. <laughs> but the boys, uh, a junior, he wanted to be the head of the family in order to make decisions about different things. Mitchell, he felt like had the patience and the understanding of the work that he done with the leather. Junior always thought he aged out. So his daddy kept him on the business end and Mitchell was the young, <laughs> he kept him closer so he could teach him that artwork. So, you know, that was, that's the difference. And in between, he wanted them to come together with a collective idea to be a, a, a witness to what parenting is about, togetherness is about, even though sometimes it might get scattered, never forget where you came from or the struggle that you had to go through to get to where you are. That was one of the what was main thing. We need to know where we came from. We okay. Where we are going. We need to have a focus on how to live in this world under the hidden Jim Crow. <laughs> it's a hidden Jim Crow. So we got to work it out. Well, I I am uh, I am interested in hearing your son talk about his father. Um, I am. Uh, Excited to know that uh, there's someone continuing this particular art form. And, and I love the fact that, you know, your husband um, took the time to sort of said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to share this gift uh, with one of the children and they're going to get it and, and take it and run with it. You know, I think that's very forward thinking. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I appreciate that greatly. Yes. And uh, I think that uh, his life is a testimony to don't give up. Mm -hmm. That was one of his things, don't give up. He tried so many different things and maybe someday we can sit down and talk about all those different things. And like I told him, it's nothing he done in his life that I'm ashamed of or afraid to talk about because everything he did was for the betterment of his family, even though they might have not all been good ideas, but it was what was left to him to do, what mm -hmm. was out there for him to grab hold to and try to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. So I really want to talk about the deep down issues of his life because I got to see him from the inside. Mm -hmm. I know what it was like for him somewhat. I don't know whether I know all of the pain but I could see the expression on his face. I could see the willingness that he had to go on and fight the world on his own. He didn't ask for help in that manner. He did what he thought was right at the time that was being presented to him. 
Mm. And I just love him to death for it. Well, I'm looking forward to, to the conversation tomorrow. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, tell me one, one more time about the Justice Collaboratory and, and the work that y'all do. So the Justice Collaboratory runs out of Yale Law School. It's not exclusively Yale faculty, but um, it's mostly Yale faculty. We're uh, researchers, social scientists, academics who are trying to use our research to actually make real transformative change in the world and to um, and to help support and inspire and advance um, vibrant, healthy, and safe communities. So the event is tomorrow from, uh, I think, 5.30 to 7 at Next Haven. There is a, a, a link. Um, I'm going to post it up on Facebook, and it'll be attached to, to this show um, so that people can, if, they, if there's still time, they can register to come. And it's free, so you don't have to pay to come. Uh, and if you have not been to Next Haven, it's a beautiful uh, space. And if you've not seen the beautiful work of uh, Win Winfred Rembert, then this is your uh, opportunity to take a look. So uh, I hope people come out tomorrow and, and the weather will be way better. Yeah. Yeah, day, we'll be back to beautiful sunny days tomorrow. Mrs. Rember, it was such a lovely opportunity to talk with you. And I look forward to meeting you in person if you're tomorrow. Okay, I thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be able to speak on Wilford and meet you again <laughs> thanks <laughs> a lot oh it's my pleasure and you're, you're welcome to come back and talk about whatever you want to talk about anytime you want to so you just oh, let me know so you you are welcome to come back but we sit up here and chat for an hour and it's all good I'm, I'm happy to do it so uh and elizabeth same for you you're welcome to come back and share the justice collaboratory work or whatever it is y'all got going on and uh, make this your home and come and talk to the people so uh, I, I appreciate you. you both. So I'm thank looking you. forward to it tomorrow. I will be in the house. And uh, thank you all so much for your time this morning. Thank you all. Harry, thank you. we are on our way out. <laughs> <laughs>